0: good morning everyone good morning, morning. We'll continuing revelation will be in chapter 14 today and uh i've had a really rough time at work lately and you guys know many of the issues i've been dealing with but this week was just exhausting by the end of the week we had a problem Right after hours, right at the end of the day on Friday, of course. It's like a rule. Because you're preaching on Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's part of it. Thankfully, I mean, I stayed for a while, but I had to leave it to them and prayed that the problem would be resolved, and it was by about 9 o'clock Friday night. But I was just spent, exhausted, Um, still had this message to prepare, and The Lord said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light, and helped me yesterday to put something together. Um, Why don't we read Revelation chapter 14 as we get started, and uh, after that we'll pray and get into the message. Revelation 14, and I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the mount Sion. With him an hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand, which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name here is the patience of the Saints here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had the power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you know the struggle I've had with this week, and thank you for helping me with preparing this message yesterday, and just pray, Lord, that the two couple points that I'm focusing on will be of value for everyone who hears this message, and Lord, that they would have a desire within themselves to look further in your word There is so much to cover, and I'm only scratching the surface. pray, Lord, that you would help us to have not only ears to hear and open ears, but being willing to do according to your will as a result as well. Help us, Lord, to be among the faithful, and not among those who think that they are saved, but truly are not to be careful of that and to pray for our loved ones and to be a faithful witness for you in our testimony and in our walk so that others may come to see the light and enjoy fellowship with you in glory one day. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So yesterday I was uh, looking at Uh, some videos online on YouTube and trying to figure out how to approach this. Got on a different kind of topic, but it related back to the 144,000 that we read about here. And it relates again back a bit to God's mark. Not only his his mark on these 144,000, but God's mark on all of creation. And we can see God's hand in all of creation. The 144,000, you think of 144. you can think of 12 times 12. 12 is a commonly used number in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 12, we see God's promise to Abraham. He called him out uh, from Ur of the Chaldees and the land of Babylon to go to Canaan. And promised him that land for his offspring. From Abraham came 12 tribes. In the New Testament, there were 12 apostles. The New Jerusalem will have 12 gates. Here in Revelation, we have 12,000 from every tribe represented, bringing a total of 144,000. The very word Jerusalem is found in the New Testament 144 times exactly. That's not an accident. God is in control. His word is precise and accurate. God is a God of order. Everything makes sense. I want to talk to you about something called the Fibonacci sequence, God's ratio, the golden mean, I think it's also called, uh, in math and science, it's they give it the symbol phi. this ratio. So those of you taking notes, I want you to write down the following sequence in numbers. 1, 1, 2, 3, 5 thirteen. 13, make a little notation there before we continue, just a little mark for yourself. After that, 21, 34, 55, 89, and 144. In this sequence, you can see the pattern. Can you see the pattern? You're adding the the last two numbers, in the sequence gives you the next number. So you have 1, and then the next one is 1, because 1 plus 0 is still 1. And then at the 2, you get the 2 from the 1 plus 1. You get the 3 from the 2 plus 1 before. You get the 5 from the 3 plus 2 before. And so on and so forth. So the number 144 is the twelfth number in that sequence. When you get higher in the ratio, it's not as uh, precise in the first starting point, but later on, the ratio is 1.618 to 1. That is, how much bigger is the number after the previous number? You multiply it by 1.618 and you get the next number. This is nature's spiral shape. You can see this in living creatures. Steve mentioned the leaf this morning. It's in the proportions, um, even in our physical features. When we look for beauty, we don't know what it, we can't define it, but it points to this. This is God's signature on all of creation. Our ear has this shape, the proportions in our face. The proportions in her finger to her hand, to her forearm, is that same ratio. This is God's hand in it. If you add the first seven numbers in the sequence, what do you get? Maybe one of the kids can tell me. Can you add the first seven numbers in the list I gave you? Caleb? 33. Yes, thirty-three. And how old was Jesus he went to the cross. He was 33 years old. And he is the creator. He's the one that put this mark on everything. He put his stamp on everything. Often in nature, the spiral shape, the proportions as they grow, get to the seventh, which is the 33, and then it stops. And will Jesus ever not be 33 years old? Ever. I mean, he's eternal, but... His life on earth ended at 33. His life as a human man will always be 33. Isaiah 11 verse 2 talks about the spirit of the Lord. And we saw earlier in Revelation there's the seven spirits of God. Isaiah 11 verse 2 says, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. If you add all those up, including the spirit of the Lord that starts off the verse, you have the seven spirits. Anyone want to guess how many words are in that verse? No? Yes. 33. God's word is perfect. There's no mistakes. God's signature is on all of creation. It was not a random accident. You can't just randomly scatter paint on a piece of canvas and get the Mona Lisa. It doesn't work that way. No matter how many times you randomly do it over and over again, suddenly you get order. It doesn't happen. We know this. And yet people are pushing this story of evolution and random accident. And God's signature is on everything. You can't. You can't deny it. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. It says here, the Godhead, Godhead is three. Three is a Fibonacci number as well. We have design evident in nature as we've discussed, but even non-living things have God's ratio evident. Think of the spiral of the whirlpool, the shape of that spiral. Think of the curl of the wave as it crashes under the beach. It follows the same ratio in the shape of a hurricane, the shape of the galaxy or the galaxies have the spiral shape. People may say, oh, that's just how it works here on earth, but the galaxy is far above and beyond that and still has that same signature. So thinking of our Lord as creator, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. We're just saying, great is thy faithfulness. But think of that when we go through times of suffering, especially if it's suffering for keeping the faith. He is faithful to us. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. So speaking especially to our young people. Remember now that creator, and don't forget him when you get older, remember your creator. We are created beings, we don't belong to ourselves, and those of us who receive the Lord as our savior, we've been purchased with a price, a very high one. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery... Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Everything was created by and through and for our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. We know this passage well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. God has opened our eyes to see that light. But there's people out there in the darkness, and they don't get it. They can't comprehend it. Because they don't know, if they've always been in the dark, what is light? pray that God will help us to help them see that, and God would open their eyes. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Related to that verse is Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. All things are created for his pleasure. We look further at our bodies, our body. Our spine at the back, our backbone, has 33 vertebrae down its back, and when you add all the other bones in your torso, from your pelvis to your shoulders, there's another 33 bones, and you add them together, you get 66. The Bible has 66 books in it. I don't have these in my notes, but you can also think of uh, the two testaments, and and Israel was told to make or to have horns, and you can think of the ram's horn it has that same shape, the same spiral sequence. And there's a part where he told them to make two trumpets of silver. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Bible itself, if, if it were to have a spine, there's a middle chapter in the Bible. Does anyone know what that chapter is? Close. Nope. Close. One seventeen. This is the very center. It's only got one verse. One verse. Why don't I look it up? I thought I had it in my notes, but I don't. Oh, it's two verses. Sorry. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise ye the Lord. How many words do you think are in that? <laughs> yeah, 33. So, there you have you've, you've got that picture. Our own bodies mimic the word. We're made in the image of God. This is God's book. There's no coincidences here. We are created and none of us is an accident. God knows. How should we respond to all this? Well, we should walk worthy of the Lord. And There's a passage, Colossians 1, 10 to 23. And I think I quoted one verse out of this a little earlier. But I'll read Colossians 1, 10 to 23 that she might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, bring fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And again, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. I think I mentioned... So we are all we have all been created in the image of God. but we have those who are made right with the Lord and those who are not. And that brings me to the next part of today's message, the harvest and relating the latter part of Revelation 14 about the harvest going on. Back to other instances where the picture of the harvest was given. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 13, speaking of the wheat and the tares. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the weeds and went his way. When the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? And he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then further down in verse 36, Jesus explains the parable. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Pretty sobering passage. But I think it was mentioned earlier this morning in Genesis 3 that uh, Satan's seed will be against the, the Lord's seed. And that continues to the end. And then the Lord will separate us. And then further down in Matthew 13, there was another similar parable. Verses 47 to 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea. And gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angel shall come forth, and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Anyone know what tares are exactly? You ever looked into it? Just thinking just weeds? Generally,
1: well, they're they're very similar. For instance, if you look at uh, dill, the tear that's equivalent to the dill when it's two inches or less, you cannot tell the difference, unless you really know uh, the smell. But right. They look identical. Mm-hmm. So once they're that tiny, uh, there's many weeds that look exactly like a, an herb. It's yeah. when they get older that they start to take a different form
0: there's that's very very true that's what i was looking for steve thank you um there's a particular plant that looks nearly identical to wheat when it's young it's called darnell it's also known as poison darnell and this is from wikipedia It usually grows in the same production zones as wheat and was a serious weed of cultivation until modern sorting machinery Enable Darnell seeds to be separated efficiently from seed wheat. The similarity between these two plants is so great that in some regions, Darnell is referred to as false wheat. It bears a close resemblance to wheat until the ear appears. The spikes of L. temulentum that's the Latin name, are more slender than those of wheat. The spikelets are oriented edgeways to the rachis I don't know what this term means, but just reading here, and have only a single gloom, while those of wheat are oriented with the flat size, side to the rat cheese and have two glooms. Wheat will appear brown when white, whereas Darnell is black. Darnell can be infected by endophytic fungus, um, and the endophyte produce insecticidal, low-lean alkaloids are first isolated from this plant. The French word for Darnell is evrae, is, is which expresses the drunken nausea from eating the infected plant, which can be fatal. The French name echoes a scientific name, Latin telementis, which means drunk. What a picture versus sin and uh, what it can do to us if we're not in the Lord. So what what color, What even if you weren't listening, <laughs> or you may just know this, what color is wheat when it's ripe? Caleb, brown, yes, or tanish, but it, we can say golden. We can say golden like the sun as well. But you're right. That's when I read. They said brown. Um, but they're both green. The tares and the wheat are both green when they're young. The one, the wheat's ripe. It's golden. What color are the tares when they get ripe? Black. Isn't that awful? So in the end, it becomes obvious and evident. And looking around the world today, it feels like things are starting to get pretty ripe. And Joel chapter 3, verses 9 to 17, we have another passage speaking about the sickle and the harvest. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, Joel 3, verse 9. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen. Gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thine mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle. For the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down. For the press is full. The fats overflow. For their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened. And the star shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion. And, his, and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall ye you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her anymore. I think this is a direct correlation to what's being spoken of in Revelation. But there are tears among us today in the churches. 2 Timothy, verses Chapter three verses one to five, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Don't obey your parents, kids. The Lord is our heavenly father. If you can't obey your earthly parents, are you going to obey your heavenly father? They're unthankful, unholy, without natural affection truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent meaning they have no self-control, they can't stop from sin, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, the selfishness. Would you be able to give up what you like to do in your spare time for God? You might have to make that choice one day. You may have to sign on to something you wouldn't agree to right now, just to continue doing what you already do. I, I think that's possible before the Lord's return. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There's a lot of people who pretend that they're faithful, or they're faithful in wrong ways. But this word is the power of our faith. And we have people denying that it's God's word and coming up with their own stuff. Turn away from them. And the harvest there in chapter 14 of Revelation also talks about the wine press. Later on in Revelation 19, we see a picture of what happened afterwards. Revelation 19, 11-16, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and at righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He's had this time of humility and shame at the cross of Calvary for us, but now he will take his rightful place. It says his clothing was a vesture dipped in blood. That's not his blood in this case, I don't believe. That is the blood from Revelation 14, the wine press. And then we have mention of The fire. Um, In the parables, it talks about the tares going into the fire. I noticed in Revelation 14, there was an angel who had the power of fire, but it doesn't talk about their punishment yet in the fire in Revelation 14. But I thought it was interesting that that angel was mentioned. But in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, this is the great white throne judgment, which happens after the thousand-year reign. Um, chapter 20 verse 11 and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and i saw the dead small and great stand before god and the books were opened another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Very sobering. This is is reality. Our faith is life and death. And thank the Lord that our eyes have been opened to it. God has had mercy on us and freely given us of his grace. Perhaps this will motivate us to witness. And maybe we upset some people, but maybe it's worth it. Our family, our loved ones. Um, Let the Lord guide you in that. Sometimes it's appropriate to have a word and sometimes it isn't pray for wisdom there so that's all i had for this morning thanks for listening steve would you close in prayer for us please Blessed lord jesus we thank you so
1: much that we are able to come together each lord's day to remember thee and what thou hast accomplished for each of us and lord we thank thee that thou hast left us a written record divinely inspired and preserved so that we may read of it and understand what lies ahead and how to behave and how to walk closely with thee. Thank thee for the message this morning and pray that we might take it to heart. Thank thee for Matt for taking time to prepare it. Lord, we know that it is difficult to sit down and to prepare these messages faithfully accurately reflecting what thy word teaches but lord we're thankful that we have a little assembly that all believe in the divinely preserved word of god in our hands this morning and so we thank thee for all these things and ask thy blessings as we part and go our separate ways and if thou be not returned next lord's day May it please thee to bring us together once again around thy table, but we ask it in thy name and for thy glory.